Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, here to give you resources to make life with your cat more rewarding and, of course, behavior-free. I'm doing this because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing cat shelter euthanasia by correcting and preventing behavior issues in the home. Cat Behavior Solutions resources include this show, Cat Talk Radio. We do a weekly behavior advice education podcast. We have a rich social media presence and a, and a great blog for you to get information from. I do virtual and in-home consultations if you're having problems that can't be solved by some of the information we give you. And I also do educational seminars and speaking engagements in shelters and communities that I visit. Because I should say, why do I do all that? Because shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats. Think about that a minute. So we've got to stop these behavior problems before you are at your wit's end and don't have any resources and know where to go with your cat. And if you'd like to help us keep on this mission and stay on the air, please consider making a donation. We are a nonprofit, so it's tax deductible. You can find a link paypal on our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org any amount helps keep this information flowing to you free of charge and today i'm very excited my co-host today is not the handsome dewey vaughn we're not excited about that we're sad about that but we're excited that my co-host today my special guest is my mother toby hi mom hi molly this is a real treat to be here. I know I'm not any substitution for Dewey, but I'll do my best. <laughs> You'll do great. <laughs> uh, I want to let everyone know that if you're in the Santa Fe, New Mexico area on August the 3rd, you should plan on to attend Molly's How to Clicker Train Your Cat seminar at the Santa Fe Animal Shelter. Clicker training is great for all cats. It helps build confidence. It provides mental stimulation, it burns off excess energy, and most importantly, increases the bond between you and your cat. Drop Molly an email for details if you're in the area. You can reach her at molly at cattalkradio.com. And I'll tell you, I have witnessed some of the difference this clicker training makes with cats, both stressed cats in the shelter and cats that were not really well socialized, that belonged to friends and people. And it's absolutely amazing. And I want to say, if you have been helped, or you've gotten some really great information that has made your life better with your cat, on one of these podcasts, casts or through Cat Behavior Solutions blog, or if Molly's consulted with you, we'd love to hear it. We'd want to hear all about that. So email Molly at molly at cattalkradio.com. And I understand, Molly, today we're going to be talking about feeding cats raw food. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, yeah. what is raw? Are they going to drag it in, you know, you know alive <laughs> and bring it down in front of you? Yeah, you got to. You got to go catch live mice for them. <laughs> I think they have those in pet stores for snakes. That's just horrible. So, so what kind of raw food are you going to talk about? Well, raw food. It's we're going to talk about feeding your cat a raw diet. It's also referred to as barf. Funny, <laughs> ironically, so. <laughs> Appropriately and, so. <laughs> right. And, and barf stands for bones and raw food, 
or it can also stand for biologically appropriate raw food. So what this does is it eliminates all processed foods and grains from your cat's diet. It's basically uncooked animal muscle meat, organs, and bones. But it's not, you know, it's not the raw chicken you're going to buy at the store, the boneless, skinless breasts that you're going to make for yourself. Oh, that's too bad, because that sounds pretty good. Why on earth do do they need bones and organs? Well, because what we're trying to do here is simulate a diet that the cat would naturally have in in the wild. So normally, they're going to eat the whole prey. They're not going to get down there and gnaw on the little you know, chicken legs of the mice that they catch (laughs) and they eat the whole prey and they, they pretty much use the entire carcass. You know, they don't digest teeth and nails, but they'll eat it and that just passes through, but they get all their essential nutrients and minerals that they need from the whole prey that they eat. Um, You know, and a lot of people will say, well, Eating bones, you know, you always hear about chicken bones splintering and things like that, but raw bones don't splinter. It's only once the bones have been cooked that they splinter. So it's perfectly fine that your cat eat bones. And bones give complex nutrients and calcium, too. Um, you know, if, if a cat has, it's rare, but if a cat does have calcium deficiency, you can see signs of restlessness, weakness, even physical weakness, tired, you know, they can be irritable, uh, hypersensitive to touch and sound, um, and more advanced calcium deficiencies. You can see arthritis and skin and coat problems and, you know, weak bones, you know, kind of like us being osteopenied or whatever, you know, <laughs> heart problems, you know, kidney and, and batter, bladder problems, you know, and, and teeth too. There's this myth out there that dry food helps keep teeth clean. And that's, and that's a myth because, you know, many vets who have worked at zoos will tell you that the big cats don't have tartar buildup on their teeth. Because when they eat the raw meats and bones, you know, that act of just chewing and gnawing on the bones polishes the surface of the teeth, preventing buildup of plaque and tartar. So dry kibble, which is small and really hard for the cats to chew, which means the cats actually, when they're eating dry food, they usually swallow the pellets whole. And it really has very little polishing effect. And then when the dry kibble comes in contact with saliva, its high carb content is released and it actually adheres to the surface of the teeth causing plaque. So when you feed raw bone, you know, in cuts of meat, that really, really becomes a good teeth cleaner. Wow, it makes me want to go out and pick up some raw chicken bones. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep flossing. I'm yeah. A raw diet is not, remember, it's a species-appropriate diet, and, oh. and, and we, we have evolved past the need for eating raw carcasses. <laughs> I think so, too. And what other benefits are they going to get by feeding, by feeding raw food? Well, that's a that's a long, long list. I mean, it, bottom line is a healthier cat all around, a much healthier cat, and and by that I mean emotionally, and I mean physically, um, they get they get hydration because you know when they eat the whole prey, all the hydration they need is there. It's a natural diet. It's very high in protein, low carbs. It's naturally grain and gluten free. There's no synthetic vitamins and minerals in there like there are on dry food. Um, lot less allergies, lot less allergies, less poop, and the poop smells better. And, you know, they need it because they're an obligate carnivore. Hmm. Obligate. Obligate carnivore. What's that mean? That means they have to eat meat. 
they're biolo- it's biologically essential for survival of a of a cat to eat meat. They can't live on on vegetables and fruit. Um, they really have no place for carbs in their diet. Unlike dogs, you know, dogs could practically live out of the garbage can because they're a more evolved species, and and their species is used to a variety of of different foods and nutrients. But cats have to have meat. Hmm. Sounds like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> but don't they need fiber? Yeah, well, you know, people usually ask that question because they've had constipation issues in their cat. But let me tell you a little bit about about the, the cat's evolutionary process. So Cats evolved from a dry climate of Africa and, and the ear near, near east. <laughs> I can't talk today. But, uh, um, their feces are are naturally very firm, almost pellet-like. Not not pellet like rap, rabbit pellets, but bigger. But their feces are naturally very dry and and off white. You know, sometimes with a yellow tint. They're very crumbly, and they're usually held together by hair. Um, hair from themselves as well as the prey that they're eating. So, so yes, they they get fiber from the whole carcass prey in the form of fur, and that's also a stool bulkner, by the way. But you can't add fur to a raw diet. Cats already ingest a lot of their own fur while they're grooming. And, and by the way, you shouldn't brush your cat too much or you're depriving it from its natural laxatives because <laughs> they, <laughs> they really need that hair that they're getting. Now, of course, too much results in hairballs, and that's a, another story. But, <laughs> but healthy cats eating raw food regurgitate almost no hairballs at all. Hmm. So large, frequent bowel movements indicate that food is largely indigestible, that the body's not utilizing it. It's just passing that junk through. You know, if you feed a cat a dry diet, it makes unnaturally large, loose, high odor, and much more frequent poop. Ooh. So I guess bottom line is no dry food. Yeah, and you've listened to my podcasts before, and that's, you know, I, I'm going to get a t-shirt made that says, no, no dry, dry food. food. And then all the cat food manufacturers are going to put a hit out on me, <laughs> because I'm I sure they're so. making a zillion dollars <laughs> off their dry food, but I, I really feel strongly about that. Um, you know, it it's natural for cats to consume foods that are mostly water like small mammals and birds and reptiles, you know, they're also, by the way, mostly protein. Very little carbs or fat. You know, a mouse has 3% carbs, where dry food has up to 50% carbs. So when we feed more carbs, carbs than are biologically designed to metabolize, they get stored as fat, just like with us, you know, if I eat too many goldfish crackers, that's <laughs> more, uh, more carbs than I've been biologically designed to metabolize, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it stores as fat in my butt. But, <laughs> but cats, uh, cats also lack, lack something called glucokinase, which is important for insulin secretion and glucose uptake from the blood, and, and high heat that it takes to make dry food converts carbs into simple sugars so it's just like junk food you know it's feeding dry food uh, a whole cat's diet consistently you're probably going to end up with an obese cat um, with diabetes and or chronic kidney disease I mean it's just not a good idea to feed dry food Oh, shoot. That's a shame. And here I was thinking that those goldfish counted as good fish. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> right. No, but, you know, <laughs> no, no uh, omega-3s in our goldfish crackers. Sorry. Oh, that, that's, that's too bad. I'm really disappointed. But, you know, you know I've, I've got to go to work every day. So let's talk about convenience. When it comes to dry food, it's easy just to dump some in the bowl. And if you're gone for 8, 10 hours... 
you know, then the, you know, the cat can just eat when it wants to. Is that good? Well, that's uh, that's exactly well. You know, dry food was invented during World War II when we had a meat shortage, and so you know, think about it. We have a meat shortage, so we've got to make something else we can feed cats. It's like sawdust pellets, you mm-hmm. know, with some sprayed-on chicken flavor. I mean, really, that's about what it is. Oh. It's not, but it's 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 almost that bad. So. They invented dry food because there was a meat shortage. We didn't have enough meat to even send to our soldiers in the field, so they certainly weren't going to be using it to feed animals. Um, And then people got used to it. They're like, oh, wow, this is convenient. I don't have to store it in the refrigerator. I can just put it out. Cats can graze all day long, and, and that should be good, right? And the answer is wrong because... Cats are are snackers, you know, and so mm-hmm. you you psychologically also when I tell people, well, cats in the wild will eat nine to ten small meals a day, so it's important that you feed your cat frequently rather than just two big meals a day. They have little tiny stomachs and they prefer to eat a little bit and go away and then come back and eat a little bit later. And people will inevitably tell me, oh, well, that's good because I just leave dry food out. They can eat whenever they want. So in theory, you're right. You would think that's a good thing. But it is very counter to their biology and the and the psychology of the species. You know, they don't they don't eat like that. Their meals aren't given to them where it's just out all day. They are used to fasting. And so it's important that there's time periods between meals, but it's also important that meals are delivered frequently to cats. So just leaving free feeding is what we call that. Free feeding cats is really, really counter to the species and and not good for them, bottom line. Huh. You know, because you think about cats in the wild, especially big cats, you know, where they'll bring down a wildebeest and they try really to hide it somewhere, I guess, so that they can come back frequently and feed on it. Whereas, you know, we can see it with our own dogs, dogs and canines, their food sources are really unpredictable. So they have a tendency to eat as much as they can when they can. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole different way of them eating. And so that's that's really that's interesting. You know, but, cats, and in, in the difference between lions and tigers is that they are, you know, long hunters. They mm-hmm. chase and their hunting sequence takes a long time and they can exert a great deal of energy bringing down a wildebeest. Whereas cats, this particular lineage of felids, is mm-hmm. designed for ambush hunting. So mm. they exert a burst of energy in obtaining their prey, but they really can't sustain a long chase. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll eat a rabbit if they can ambush it, but they can't chase it a quarter of a mile to bring it down. So they're used to catching smaller prey and consuming it completely. They don't they don't save it and stash it like the big cats. But yeah, but the mm-hmm. but the principle of them eating um, both of them as snackers is definitely true. Yeah. That's interesting. And thinking about the dogs, too, you know, they can they can chase prey for miles and miles. It's amazing. We don't but talk we, about dogs on the show. Aw. Because <laughs> I, I have a this dog. This is not dog talk radio. <laughs> dog talk radio. <laughs> okay. Well, given, given all that, since we're not going to be dragging uh, live animals in the house, <laughs> where where do you get this raw food? Well, okay, so you can make it yourself, you can get it from, you know, farms, and there are also nowadays commercial producers of of raw food. Um, there are some cautions to making it yourself if you are um, <clears throat> if you are immune compromised, you know, you'll hear some vets say, don't feed raw food because of salmonella. Well, that's that's really more about you than it is the cat because the cat has uh, a very short in, intestinal tract and it moves food through very quickly and salmonella doesn't affect the cat like it does us. Occasionally, if there's a lot of it and your cat's a little backed up, yes, it could cause some issues in your cat. 
you know, throw up and get sick and things like that. But that's much more so about us. So there are some safe handling things that, you know, you need to be aware of when I get my fresh ground carcasses and then add the nutrients to it. I, I wear gloves. I'll put plastic down in my sink and then that way I can throw that away. And then I scrub the sink down real good when I'm, when I'm done, just to make sure that I'm not uh, polluting any of the other things that'll come in contact with the sink. So where do I get my fresh ground carcasses? I there's company called there are farms out there like I mentioned that raise uh, pet food and the one that I've been buying from for years and years and years is called Hare Today, and that's H A R E as in rabbit um, because it started as a as a rabbit farm, and um, and so I. It's it's h a r e dash today dot com by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. So, the first thing you want to consider when you buy ground carcasses like that from farms is what consistency is right for you and your cat. Now your cat's gonna be the one that dictates this in the end because in the end it doesn't really matter. My cat doesn't like the chunks. And he's not much for gnawing on bones. So I get ground, finely ground bones and organs. Um, but the meat cuts, the bone-in meat cuts are, are really good. Um, there's also something that's called a, a Frankenprey dye, <laughs> like Frankenstein. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> it's called a Frankenprey diet. And what that basically means is that it's various parts of the carcass that, which over time will simulate a whole carcass diet. So, you know, if you get ground, the, the pros of buying ground meat is it's a complete meal. It's, it's bones. Uh, it's more familiar in texture to the cats. It's less messy than, you know, the cats dragging it around. You know, a lot <laughs> of times if you get those, you know, like a, a chunk like a leg or something raw and you give it to the cat they'll drag it around the house and you know try to well, hide wanna, it or they want to play with it yeah they like exactly. to play with their food exactly. <laughs> so sometimes ground is better <laughs> but you know with the whole meat pieces like that the, the it's much better because they do use their teeth to gnaw on the bones and you know you don't have to add as many supplements as you do to the ground meat because there's more bone content in there, but it, it's much more difficult to monitor the total nutritional needs um, because, you know, because you're feeding them uh, dark meat, light meat, you know, organs or whatever. So it, it's very hard. I, I find ground a little easier for me to manage. Um, so anyway, I get ground. And then the next thing you're going to have to do is figure out what type of protein and it is good to have a variety uh, in the types of meat that you feed them. You know, you really don't want to try to feed any particular one type of protein, especially fish, for more than mm. three times a week. You know, and you want to stick to natural food sources for a cat, like rabbit, chicken, turkey, those kinds of things. Um, mm. You know, and, and Hair Today has... Bone-in pieces in chicken, rabbit, turkey, they have duck, they have whole mice, rats, they have seafood, like whole fish, um, they have rabbit cubes, and they have whole rabbits too, by the way, but they have rabbit cubes and strips, they have rabbit ground with or without bones, they have rabbit chunks, they have whole ground carcass with fur, by the way, mm -hmm. so, you know, if you feel like your cat needs a little more stool, you can... You can get it with fur. Um, I get the whole ground rabbit with um, with bones and organs in there. And then if all that sounds just really icky to you, there are commercial producers nowadays. There didn't used to be back when I started feeding raw. There were no choices but to do this. But, um, you know, Stella and Chewy's, Primal, Vital Essentials. I have fed my cat all three of those. My cats don't really like the frozen raw food for some reason. So I get the freeze-dried versions and then I rehydrate it. I rehydrate it with partial bone broth and water. 
Now, I use Vital Essentials for two reasons. I like the limited ingredient list. You know, you look at, I'm a person that believes that we just need the basics. You know, they need the meat and the meat and they need meat and they need (laughs) bones and organs. And if you look at the Vital Essentials bag, it's, you know, rabbit with bones and organs. And it doesn't have a lot of preservatives and stuff like that. And the second reason is because the cats prefer it. Um, Mm. I've tried um, pretty much every um, every source out there and Vital Essentials is is the best. I buy it from Chewy's because it's hard to get in a lot of local markets. It's a smaller company, but it's it's very dedicated to quality, and um, and you can get it on Chewy. And if you order more than forty dollars, which is easy to do, uh, you get free <laughs> shipping. But you know, let your cat be the judge of of that in the end. If your cat doesn't like it, they don't like it. But all of those manufacturers provide a variety of proteins too. Um, you know, the chicken, the rabbit and duck and pork even. And and cats love pork, by the way, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't think is a natural protein source, but they say that pork tastes most like mouse to cats. Uh-huh. And I don't know who did that taste test, but um <laughs> so so what I do is I buy the vital essentials patties. I get rabbit and sometimes chicken, mostly Mm. rabbit, because I prefer that protein source for my aging cat. And I break up the patty. And like I said, I rehydrate it with partial bone broth and warm water. And about once a month, I will order five pounds or more of the whole ground rabbit carcass, not fur. I don't get the fur. I get the ground with bones and organs from hair to day. And I mix, they have this great nutrient. So I used to, used to be, you'd have to, once you got your ground meat in, then you had to add egg yolks and psyllium husk and B12 and fish oil and taurine and all these different nutrients to make sure that your cats had sufficient nutrients. Well, I do add taurine because you can't can't give your cat too much taurine. I do add a phosphate binder because my cat's getting older and um, and I think that's important for him. And then Hair Today sells a, they've already done all that work for you. It's called All Nutrin and it's on their site also. And you just put a scoop, tells you on the bag how much to put per pound of meat, mix it up real good in the meat and pack it in little individual servings, throw it in the freezer, and, and I'm ready to go. And so I'll feed at least five pounds a month um, when it's in. Hair Today also occasionally has some freeze-dried rabbit, which every time that comes back in stock, I try to buy as much as I can because that, that lasts a long time and the cats just go wild over the natural raw rabbit when I when I do that. And then in between feedings, I, I, I feed Vital Essentials on a daily basis. Now, if I'm going out of town, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I, my cat sitter doesn't come four times a day like I feed mine, so she only comes twice a day. And so Vital Essentials makes a freeze-dried raw kibble. I don't want to feed that on a regular basis because they're not getting the hydration they need. But when I can't have somebody here doing four fresh hydrated meals a day, then two of those meals get replaced with the Vital Essentials nibs. They call them mini nibs. And they make that in rabbit too. So I usually get the rabbit mixture of rabbit and chicken mini dibs and I put it in a big container and mix it up. And she leaves that for them for, for two meals a day. So... So that's what I do. Buy my oh. ground chicken from a farm. And uh, and the ground uh, rabbit. And ground the ground rabbit. rabbit. Can we call those bunny burgers? Bunny burgers. <laughs> raw. Vasco says raw I take it bunny raw. Bunny burgers. Yeah. in the center. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's fascinating to think that there are farms that sound like they're being dedicated to pet food instead of people food. And um, that's that's neat to know. Can you tell us any more about these specific farms? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You would think that a farm that would be dedicated to raising 
pet food as opposed to people food would be doing so to cut corners and, you know, it's not FDA inspected and stuff like that. But that's not true at all. And, and there are more and more of them cropping up every day. But I have remained loyal to hair today for over a decade. Um, you know, I had a cat that was very, very ill. You remember sweet Indiana. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Indiana came down with some a lot of UTIs and urinary tract infections and was peeing mm-hmm. blood and things like that. And the vet said, well, he has sludge in his bladder. And and at the time, I was feeding a, a dry diet. I, I didn't know any better. So I just fed him mm-hmm. dry food. And, um, and so the vet took his bladder out, according to the vet, took the bladder out, cleaned out all the sludge and put it back in. And it mm-hmm. was a long recovery for Indiana. He did, <sighs> he did not do well during that. And so later, you know, a year later, as his urinary tract infections started coming back, I thought, I cannot put him through that again. So I started Googling and I found a, a couple sites. I found catinfo.org was the first one. And now there's one called Feline Nutrition. And both of those sites have excellent information about raw food. Catinfo.org had a a recipe and and they listed hair today as the source for getting the ground rabbit because there were no commercial diets back then. So Hmm. I started buying from them back then. And, um, and that, and Indiana was cured. So, um, and it's a, it's a little family farm. It's second generation. Now I was actually dealing with the, the mom, uh, Tracy back in the day. And now her, her daughter, uh, owns it and it's a little farm in Pennsylvania. And they actually started as a rabbit farm. They use all natural products that are hormone and antibiotic free. They humanely raise these rabbits. They handle the animals from birth to production. You know, it's a multi-generation business. that's dedicated to the health of animals and feeding species an appropriate diet. You know, they they personally, their story is that they've lost pets to diseases that may have been caused by poor diet. And so they set their focus on helping others to know how to feed appropriately. Hmm. And I don't imagine now that there's any kind of inspection that's set up for these farms. So you're you're trusting on their reputation. Well, is that uh, right? Yeah, partially. I mean, it's not as heavily regulated yeah. as as a you know a chicken right. rending rendering company or something like that. But but they do. They they are USDA mm-hmm. um, compliant, uh-huh. and uh, they are definitely uh, inspected. And it it's a good quality farm. I huh. I highly recommend them. Wow. So you so you order this, mm-hmm. and you get in your pound and a half of ground food five Five pounds pounds. five whole pounds now what do you do well now i i do bicep curls with it first yeah (laughs) bench press those ground beef because i tend not to work out otherwise (laughs) yeah (laughs) once a month when i get my ground rabbit in it's good enough now (laughs) so the first thing i do is you know it, it comes in frozen it's well insulated it's like it's like ordering a Carnegie Deli cheesecake, you know, it comes in those, you know, really thick insulated cooler things. And so it may still be partially, um, you know, frozen. So I put it in the refrigerator for about 24 hours. And then I, uh, as I said, I line the sink with a trash bag and I put on rubber gloves and I uh, cut open the package and get all the rabbit out. And so it's like, it looks like ground beef. There are little pieces of bone and things like that in there you might feel. And I scrunch it up really good in the sink. I have a video of this, by the way, on YouTube. So uh, you can watch from, from purchase to, to packaging what I do. But, and then I, I get the all nutrient and I sprinkle it in there. And I sprinkle a little bit and mix in, sprinkle more, mix in. I add bone broth and water to that mixture so it gets kind of soupy mix in real 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 well and then I package it in little individual Tupperware cup servings and I keep you know I, I, I have a little tiny cup which is about enough for two servings or or two cats one serving so I keep you know three or four of those cups in the refrigerator put the rest of them in the freezer and then as I need them I you know I, I pull them out do you have any idea, you know, how 
much that is. Is that kind of equivalent to a quarter pound hamburger or something like that? And in terms of my storage container, yeah, yeah. it's hard to tell. I don't weigh it. I'm not okay. I I should, but I but I don't. I kind of over the years have gotten to know, you know, how much is a is an appropriate serving. Right. That would be good to know. Is it is it something that would just kind of fit in the palm of your hand? You know, that might be a good measuring thing. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the size of your hand. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) We women with smaller hands. And we're usually the ones doing this, you know, so. (laughs) Okay, so we've got this stuff already. Um, You know, go on and tell about how you can continue to preserve it. You know, a lot of the people foods, they say do not refreeze. But. Can you do that? Yeah, definitely. You want to freeze it. That That is the preserving process here. Keeps bacteria from growing in it until you're ready to use it. You know, you really got to be cautious of sulfur-based preservatives in, in meat and fish because those are, you know, and it's in the food that we eat all the time. Sulfur-based preservatives are used to hold the color of the meat for an unnaturally long time so it looks good and you know on the shelf and in the refrigerator. Like when you go to the grocery store, you don't want to buy ground beef that looks gray. You want the pink mm-hmm. one. Well, mm-hmm. it naturally looks gray once it's touched the air without preservatives. So everybody uses these preservatives to keep it pink. But the problem with sulfur-based preservatives is they inhibit thiamine, which is B1 absorption, vitamin B1 absorption. And cats have a really high requirement for B vitamins. And I'll, it's not enough time to go into that today. So I'll do an in-depth blog on that, mostly because I can't pronounce all of the ingredient names of the sulfur-based preservatives, you know. <laughs> so so let's just say it's your bonus tip today. Avoid sulfur-based preservatives. And by the way, if you look at labels, a lot of times um, people will put on labels does not contain sulfur preservatives. So mm-hmm. at least you know they're not there. I'll do a blog yeah. post that gives the long list of the, you know, <laughs> what their ingredient names are. <laughs> I think we all try to avoid food that we can't pronounce. I mean, how often have we turned over a package of food and been somewhat appalled at what's in there? <laughs> well, let's not do that when we get to the no. goldfish crackers later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll only look at the front with the cute little pictures. So, <laughs> so anyway, you've gone over you know, careful handling of this, which is really, I can tell, really important. Um, then can you do things like the uh, 409 antibacterial kitchen thing to to wipe down? I think that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah, After definitely. You're through? Yeah, 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 definitely. I I happen to use method because mm-hmm. you know I want it. We have a septic tank out here, and and I want yeah. things that are a little more natural and biodegradable. So I use methods and a back cleaner, and I. I definitely spray down the, you know, the faucet and the whole sink and everything after that. Yeah. Well, and if you really would rather not mess with all this, what can you do? Well, again, if you, if you, you certainly do not have to do what I'm doing. I mean, you, you don't have to do it. The main message here is feed your cat a wet diet. Mm-hmm. And if you really love your cat and you can afford to, feed them a raw diet. And as I said, there are commercial producers of raw diet. So if all this ground whole rabbit carcass stuff is is giving you the heebie-jeebies, you know, yeah. don't, don't do it. Or if you have a compromised immune system, don't mm-hmm. absolutely don't do it. Don't take that risk. Uh, go buy Vital Essentials uh, patties yeah. and and just break those up and, and add warm water at the very least. If you want to add bone broth, great. Um, but, you know, it's just crumble up patties and add warm water. It's simple. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it will definitely keep your cats healthy. Wow. Now, you know, you mentioned kidney disease when you're talking about Indiana. And I don't understand that that's fairly common in cats. So, you know, what what is it? Do you want a low protein diet? That yeah. usually is, they say. Mm-hmm. The vets will recommend. The vets will usually recommend a prescription diet. Sadly, a lot of those prescription companies mm-hmm. only make those diets available in dry food. 
and um, and I don't recommend that. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are two things that they're basically doing. They're lowering the the protein and they're lowering the um, phosphorus levels. So there's this real misconception that feeding low protein works for managing kidney issues. It it really doesn't. I mean, hydration is the biggest thing because kidneys lose the ability to conserve water by concentrating urine, which is, you know, is an issue in older cats. So getting cats lots and lots and lots of hydration in their meals and in fresh water, and you feel the bottom of your cat's water bowl feel slimy, that's because that's bacteria growing in the bowl, and the cats can smell it. They have a very sensitive nose. They carry a lot of bacteria in their saliva, so when they're drinking water, that spit gets into the bowl, and it naturally grows on the surface of the bowl. Doesn't matter whether you're using a stainless steel or ceramic or plastic bowl, happens in every kind of water bowl. So scrub those water bowls out daily and make sure that the water is fresh. But more importantly, that they're getting their appropriate hydration from their food, just like they would in the wild. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when it comes to the protein, research has shown that limiting protein in the early stages of renal failure, you know, it, it, it can result in actually decreased blood reaching the kidneys and may actually be worse hmm. than feeding moderate amounts of protein. But the most important thing is that the, the quality of the protein that you're feeding is highly digestible, which means it's a bio-appropriate protein, which is rabbit and poultry. You know, mm-hmm. too little protein is going to result in exe- excessive weight loss. And the other thing is cats don't like it. You know, I, I hear all the time, well, my cat has kidney disease and my vet prescribed this and I, I'm trying to feed it and my cat just won't eat it. Well, yeah, it doesn't have any protein in it. That's what your cat needs. So it's it's a whole lot less palatable to the cat mm. than, you know, than a, a raw diet. And then they're absolutely right. Phosphorus should be restricted for cats with declining kidney function. And there are phosphate binders. Um, I I use one. There you can you can Google phosphate binder for cats, and there's a popular uh, popular brand that comes up, and it's a little powder, and it really it doesn't taste bad. It has some fish taste to it. Your cats will like it. Sprinkle it on their food, mm-hmm. and definitely you should do that. Um, also, the other thing you can do if you're doing a home-cooked meal or, or homemade raw, you can use cooked egg whites rather than meat because there's less phosphorus per gram of protein than meat or fish. So you would replace one ounce of meat with one egg white. Hmm. And you do need to cook those. You don't put those in there raw. So cook egg whites and you can replace, you wouldn't want to do just egg whites, but you can lower the phosphorus level by, by replacing some of that, that meat hmm. with, uh, with egg white. So no, no meringue. You want to, you want to no, actually right. cook it. <laughs> On the top of their raw Whip food. it up for uh, me. A little dollop of meringue. Right. I thought that sounded nice. <laughs> and then we get the blowtorch out. And, That's right. And just toast it finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, this is sounding great. <laughs> well, you know, we're back to how much raw to feed them. You know, that's that's what's always difficult. Do you, do you give them a big wad or just little bits or how does this work, Molly? Uh, okay. So, uh, first of all, if you buy the commercial packages, they're going to have a chart on the back that tells you how much of their product to feed based on the weight of your cat. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, something interesting else I noticed about, about Vital Essentials, I got my first bag of Vital Essentials and I looked at the back and it said like, you know, one and a half patties a day for, you know, 10 pound cat or whatever it was, and whatever it was, was a whole lot less bulk than I was used to feeding with mm. either Stella and Chewy's or Primal. And I thought, that is really strange. I, I, this can't be right. Well, again, go back to the ingredient label. You'll see that, that theirs is just simple what you need. So you don't need as much of it as some of the other foods. Um, but if you're going to do like I do and you're going to order you know, fresh ground carcasses in once a month and, and make raw food, then 
how how much because that does not come with a chart on the label. You got to know. So it depends a lot on your cat's age, activity level, um, health of your cat, and and the actual composition of the food too, and what you're adding in there. So first thing you want to do is weigh your cat, and the way you do that is you get on the scale, and then you're terribly depressed like me, and then. Oh. <laughs> And then you go pick up your cat and you get back on the scale and um, and you subtract the two and that's the weight of your cat. And you want to have a good digital scale. And you want to, anytime you want to, you want to start a new diet you for your cat, it's very important you get an accurate weight on them because they may not look like they're losing weight, especially if they're a big fluffy cat. So you really want to monitor that carefully. Um, but the general w- rule of thumb is 2 to 4% of the cat's ideal body weight per day. Now that's, hmm. right? So for instance, if your cat's ideal body weight is 10 pounds, you multiply the pounds by 16 to get the ounces. So 10 pounds times 16 ounces tells me that it's 160 ounces. In, and then let's say we're going to go with 3%. Let's say the cat doesn't need to, you know, you want to feed 2% of the cat's ideal body weight if it is overweight and 4% if it's underweight. So let's say your cat's pretty much right on to 10 pounds. You want, to, you want to feed 3%. So then you take that 160 ounces times 0.03 and that equals 4.8 ounces. So mm, you would feed the cat 4.8 ounces of raw food a day. Oh, see, that's what I was trying to get out earlier. I yeah. got it. But, so you, it. but you don't know, you know, 4.8 ounces can look a whole lot different in my hand than your hand. Right, right. So, you know, you know a, lot of, a lot of people have, you know, home scales for doing things like weighing meat. So if you've got yeah. one of those, that would be a good thing to use. Exactly, and that's, like and, a kitchen scale. Right. And that's the total amount per day. So that's what you want to break up in. Small pieces, then yes. feed that throughout the day. Is that right? Right, right. Uh-huh. And it, it's it's real important to know what your cat's ideal body weight is. Um, there's a, a body score chart on my blog that will help you because just like with humans, a lot of people have an unrealistic uh, thought process on how big their cat should be. And, um, and, and so look at that body score chart and look at your cat honestly and say, does my cat need to lose weight or put on weight? Like Tabasco needs to put on weight. So I'm actually feeding him four to 5%, you know, of in this little scenario, I I tend to overfeed him because I want to see his weight going up. Whereas mm-hmm. our little chunky monkey Foster Blueberry, <laughs> his weight needs to come down a little bit. <laughs> and so I try to feed him a little less. He has the cookie monster is what we call him because he just inhales his food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so cute. He really is. You know, her, you know I, some people will say that if they eat a lot of raw food, they're going to throw up more. Is that true? Well, n- n- no, there is a difference. There's a, a real important difference between vomiting versus regurgitation. And, yeah. you know, the way that you can tell the difference is if your cat, you know, throws its food up, food comes back up 30 minutes to, you know, maybe two hours after eating, that's probably regurgitation. You know, and regurgitation comes up easy. There's none of that heaving, you know, uh, 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 you know, like hairball yeah. coming up. It's not usually like that. It's usually just and then it's up and it, and it's not, di- you know, it's it's not digested food. You can tell and usually it means they they ate too much which tells me that you're not feeding them frequently enough because if mm-hmm. you only feed them twice a day, they gorge themselves and they eat real fast and inhale it because they're, you know, they're going too long between meals for, for their species. So feed smaller amounts, you know, mm-hmm. wait 30 minutes and then, you know, try more frequently rather than feeding them that, a big portion. The other thing, if the food's too cold, it, it will cause them to regurgitate. So you don't want to put it in the microwave because that cooks the food. But just get a, a bowl of warm water 
and put the raw food in a Ziploc bag and let it soak in there until it warms up. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that, that will cause regurgitation is drinking water right after eating. So mm-hmm. a lot of cats will tend to eat and then go over to their water bowl and drink a bunch, and that will cause regurgitation. So if that's happening, just remove the water when you go to put the food down and then put the water back down about an hour later because they're, you know, it, yeah. it's you don't want them to do that. And then, and then another thing that can cause regurgitation is stress. If you have, you know, two cats and you're feeding them near one another, oftentimes there's a, I got to eat, I got to eat, I got to eat real quick before that, you know, before that competitor gets my food because that's not natural for them in the wild. They don't eat together. And you'll see managed feral colonies, of course, eating together because there's ample food source. But in the wild where they're you know, hunting and eating carcasses, they they don't sit down and have a meal together. So they tend to eat really fast if they can see other cats. So you might try feeding your cats in different rooms. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then of course, if they eat it, if they regurgitate their food and, and they eat it, it's perfectly okay. Don't feel like you've got to <laughs> wipe it up and pick it up. And it's, it's okay because it's, it's not digested and a little bit of dirt on the floor that it's sitting on is going to be okay. Let them, let them go ahead and, and, and re-eat it. That's, that's perfectly fine. Well, that all sounds pretty disgusting, but it's a good way of dealing with it um, without feeling like you have to chase the cat away from it and try to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been if you've been feeding your cat, you know the dry kibble and the stuff that's all cheaply commercially available. How do you transition them to a raw diet? Isn't it difficult? You, you just can't, you know, boom, start it right off, can you? Yeah, that's a good question because I have a lot of people that when I recommend feed raw, they get their raw food and they just put it down in front of the cat and the cat mm-hmm. looks at them like, what? <laughs> and, and that's mainly because cats don't like change. Mm-hmm. It makes them very insecure. They need to feel confident and their confidence comes from predictability and their little rituals and routines. And so anytime you make a change in a cat's world, it stresses them out. So you, you can't cold turkey the raw food and have any kind of idea of what's going on. So the first thing is figure out what you're going to feed, either the commercially dried foods or, you know, or the the raw. And um, whatever you're feeding, if you're feeding dry food, I would suggest starting with the commercially freeze-dried stuff. So, like, I take the Vital Essentials patties and I crumble them up with my hands, and you would crumble them up on the dry food. So, replace about a quarter of your dry food with the crumbled up dry uh, vital essentials patties. You could even start with the mini nibs, but I would just go right to the patties and get your cat used to that taste. And then, you know, do that for two days and then take another quarter away and replace it with more crumbled patty. And so you just slowly decrease the dry food and increase the crumbled patty. Then once they're eating all of the crumbled patty, then you start to hydrate it. And I would do that with bone broth. And because cats that are really used to eating dry food sometimes don't like the texture of canned food, so you've got to go slow. So just put a couple dropperfuls of bone broth on that, you know, so that they're eating it and slowly increase the hydration. And Mm -hmm. then and then once you've got it amply hydrated and they're eating it and that transition is good and smooth, well, then if you want to introduce the whole ground carcasses, then you can you do the same thing. Get the carcass in, you prepare that, and then you replace a little bit of the ground patty mix with the whole ground carcass so that they can transition to that for a while. You don't usually have to transition back. Like my guys, you know, when the whole ground rabbit comes in, I don't do partial vital essentials and partial here today, rabbit. I just put the rabbit down, and they're like, "Woohoo! It's rabbit <laughs> week!" You know, <laughs> and, and they love that stuff. <laughs> love those bunny burgers. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, um, you want to transition very slowly so that your cat's system and and psyche get used to the change in in the diet. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It really does. 
So are we, oh, is there anything before we uh, talk about next week's episode that you want to go back and recap from today? Um, we can't talk about next week's episode because I have no idea what we're doing next week yet. <laughs> and it's going to be a surprise <laughs> next episode. Next week is actually the Best Friends Annual Conference, and uh, oh. and I will be in Dallas speaking at that. And uh, so we're probably going to have to figure out what comes next week and get that recorded either early or, or a little late next week because I'll be tied up at the conference. But Well, it might be good to include some points that you pick up at the conference, I think. Cat lovers would like to hear that. Yeah, maybe. This is is a conference for the rescue groups and the rescue Mm -hmm. communities and the organizations that are, you know, working really hard to keep the cats out of shelters and and in their homes and and those kinds of things. But I can't think about anything else for, for raw food other than, you know, if if you didn't pick it up as we were saying and you want more information go to catinfo.org or feline-nutrition.org. I believe that one is too. Um, Vital Essentials site is vitalessentialsraw.com. You can find their products on on Chewy. Um, And Hair Today is h-a-r-e-today.com. And they're Hmm. very good too at, at helping you. And all of those sites have good resources and information and more information than we talked about today on feeding raw and why you'd want to do it and, and how you do it. So well, I can't think of anything else you might want to know about this. This has been really complete. There's been a well, lot of good information. And it's been fun having you on the show with me today. Oh, thank you, darling. Like I said, I'm no substitute for that handsome Dewey, but <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> and I wanted to mention, too, you know, it would be great if people would think about um, supporting your efforts on catbehaviorsolutions.org. Because Molly has dedicated herself and a large portion of her time to doing everything she can to keep cats out of shelters. So many cats are brought back to shelters for what they talk about behavior problems. We heard a story just last night where a friend was saying that she knew someone that had gone to a shelter and picked up two cats, I think they were two bonded cats, and took them home but had them back in the shelter like two days later because they weren't friendly enough. And Molly, you know, works very hard at trying to show people how to introduce cats into the home, how to help socialize them so that they're good family members. So this is a big effort. So if you'd like to help support this, you can make a tax-deductible contribution to catbehaviorsolutions.org. I think she's got a link to PayPal on that site so that you can do that really easily. That would be so appreciated. But this yeah. has been great fun, Molly. Thank you. has been fun. And, yeah, and if you have PayPal, uh, it goes to donations at catbehaviorsolutions.org. That's our our PayPal address, that would be much appreciated. Every little bit helps us to take cases for free. We take shelter recommendations, shelter referrals. You know, cats get adopted out of shelters and somebody's trying to bring them back. They say, don't, you know, before you bring them back, here at least let's call Molly and people Mm -hmm. that have problems and bringing them into shelters. Some of my shelter partners will say, you know, call Molly before you bring your cat into the shelter. Let's see yeah. if we can keep it in its home. So a lot of those, of course, I, I have to do at no charge and mm-hmm. certainly not taking, not drawing a salary, by the way, out of <laughs> out of cat, cat behavior solutions <laughs> and uh, donating a lot of personal money and, and time to keep all this information flowing to you. So uh, ditto what mom said. Help us out if you can. <laughs> <laughs> So again, I appreciate you being here and thank you to everyone who tuned in today and mm-hmm. until next time, keep calm and purr on. Let's hear mm. your best purr, Mom. Uh-oh. I'm not good at this. You need to purr, Molly. <laughs> ah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have have a great rest of your day or evening and uh, until next week, have a great time with your cat too. Bye-bye. 
Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.